And uh, we're in chapter 10 of Sermon on the Mount, and it's about judging. You don't get that sense from the title of uh, the chapter because it talks about having encouraging people around you, but there is a connection there. Uh, judging probably isn't the most comfortable topic for people to talk, uh, to talk about, uh, but I'm guessing <clears throat> there have been times in your life where perhaps you have been misjudged or maybe you misjudged someone else. You know, we, we like to think we're all a good judge of character, but in fact, sometimes we're not the best. Um, and I'd like to start this, uh, this off with a story that I heard a long time ago, and it kind of resonated with me, but it's about a couple who got married. And the husband was just as sweet as he could be, and um, when he was up, he would make breakfast for them. And if he was making toast, and if there was the heel of the loaf, and a piece of, you know, bread from the center, he would always give his wife the heel. And she thought, well, okay. And then it kept happening again and again. And when he'd make a sandwich, if it was either at the beginning of the loaf or the very end of the loaf, he would take the nice soft one and he would give her the heel. Now, finally, I'm just going to make up a number. Finally, after 25 years, she's had it and she says, what is wrong with you? Why do you keep doing that? Why do you always take the bread and get, leave me with the heel? And he looked astonished. And he said, but that's my favorite part of the loaf. Aww. And I thought it was yours as well. And so it's just one of those reminders that we may think we know what's going on with somebody, but we should not jump um, to conclusions. Anybody else have any stories to piggyback on that? I'm just thinking he was making the sandwiches. That was I know. <laughs> I kind of thought that as well. <laughs> so our lesson today begins with this verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. And we're going to delve into that a little deeper. But let's start out with the reality that we make judgments every single day of our lives. Um, the danger for us humans is that we make judgments, we form opinions, and after time, we're so in love with our opinions that we think they're facts. And that's, it's, I, I think everybody perhaps has fallen into that at one time or another. Uh, today is an election day. Today is the day that you go and vote. And so I would say one of the things that you judge is which candidate you're gonna vote for. And worship styles. That's another thing that you have an opinion about, and just because you have an opinion does not mean that it is a fact. Clothing style, movies, body piercings and tattoos, clothing brands, it goes on and on. And then you go on and you think about there are pageants, there are art shows, dance competitions, uh, with my personal favorite, Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> and all of those things are, rely on the judgment of other people how they see you and whether or not they're going to vote for you. And anybody else have those those are the ones I thought of, not necessarily job interviews. Job interviews. Oh yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Anybody else? Movie reviews. Oh, yeah. That's true too. Do you rely on those or do you kind of went no. Okay. You go and make your own opinion. Centerpieces at a brunch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Always. Amen, sister. <laughs> Just remember, keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> Daughter-in-laws. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
So <laughs> we, we've, we've all got this. You know, we've got to own the fact that judgment is going on all the time, whether we like it or not. But the thing about this particular verse is that it is often, often uh, cited by people who are not Christians. And they, they kind of take that verse and use it to condone any kind of sinful behavior that they want because they say, well, you're not supposed to judge. In fact, it could probably be called the favorite verse of the world, and I put the world in quotes. Um, and at any other time, they would ridicule and deny that the Bible holds um, any authority whatsoever. And it's ironic that the people who don't know the Bible will quote this freely and then turn around and condemn those of us who believe in those Christian beliefs and think that they're valid. And I often wonder, do you understand that you now are judging us? Right. So I'm, I'm really, this was a very personal thing for me because I looked at the verses and I chose these verses because I thought I wanted to learn more and I wanted to dig deeper. Uh, and it, it's, it's just, I'm so familiar with a world who seems to accept anything and everything and then judge those who look on certain things as, as harmful, as sin and being harmful. Anybody else face those? I see lots of heads shaking. I think, it, I think if you're a Christian that you've kind of got that bullseye on your back and that just kind of comes with the territory. And if people, um, maybe after this, maybe I will be able to answer a little bit better. So is the Lord telling us that we should accept everything and anything that our culture says is okay? Should we believe that all religions and beliefs out there are the same? Paul addresses this very thing in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. He's not saying that we should sit by and be silent, especially when there is a follower of Christ that you see who is giving in to sin. What is wrong about making judgments is when it's done without enough evidence and when it, when it just so happens that our motives are wrong in approaching them. The world is a very fickle place and its traditions change all the time. Just consider how much things have changed in your own lifetime. Things that once were considered very wrong may be accepted today, and what is condemned today may be deemed as perfectly okay in 10 years. We can't base our judgments on the traditions of our culture. Just because something is legal does not make it morally correct. If we're going to judge, there's only one standard, one and only one standard that we can rely on to be authoritative, and that is the word of God. As you'll notice, I, you've got a lot of scripture here on your handout today. So let's go to John 5.30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So let's get back to the Sermon on the Mount. At the... Uh, time Jesus was speaking these words that we find in Matthew, 
the Pharisees had taken God's laws and they added on. They had added on a lot of other laws that were made by men, not by God. They, it was like so many rules and regulations and they were very proud of those laws and to them that was the law, even though it extended past God's law. It needed to be followed to the last detail and they loved to condemn anyone who did not follow their laws, including Jesus. They tried to trip him up all the time. In the eighth chapter of John, we hear the story of the woman who was uh, charged, in, was caught in adultery by the scribes and the Pharisees, and she was about to be stoned to death. The Pharisees were self-righteous, they lacked any kind of mercy, and they were full of condemnation. She'd been caught, it was done deal, let's stone her, and then Jesus appears. And Jesus said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And the end of the story, as you know, is that mm, they just kind of walk away. And Jesus is left with her, and he doesn't say, oh, that's okay. Not anything like that. He says, go and don't do this anymore. Don't do it again. And that was the way he dealt with it. It wasn't like, oh, sorry, they're just so... He really took an active role. But what a difference in approaches. Um, in James chapter 2, 12, and 13, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So what do we do when we feel the need to talk about some, uh, to talk to someone about a sinful behavior? And let's talk about what's most important. And the most important thing before we can make any kind of a judgment on anybody else is to look at ourselves and identify the sin that is within us. Matthew 7, 3 and 4. Why do you see, see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? Obviously, this is a, an exaggeration, and Jesus knows it to be so. Actually, when they talk about a log, it's not just a log. With the translations, it would be like a support beam of something, you know, which would be impossible. But Jesus is making the point that if you have this much sin, how can you look at somebody else until you're rid of that sin and help, even hope to help them a little bit? Um, could have been that this when they talk about um, the speck, it may have been like a tiny piece of sawdust. In the King James Version, I always have to look because, you know, ESV, is the, it's, it's worded a little differently. But it was a mote, M-O-T-E, and that suggested that it, they were talking about a little tiny piece of sawdust. Even then, you know it's going to hurt, and you know that it's going to be painful if, if it's not taken care of. Uh, and sin causes pain. It causes pain for us. It causes pain for all the people around us. So first we need to examine ourselves. We need to ask for forgiveness before we start pointing out someone else's sin. And the illustration refers to those people who are just looking for somebody who was sinning, kind of like the Pharisees in a way. They, um, they're quick to point out what is wrong with others without trying to see where they themselves fall short. 
Our attitudes are so very, very, very important. Are we approaching with love and concern, or are we pointing to the shortcomings of others as a way of making ourselves feel more important? We should not be making judgments without proper evidence, nor should we have the wrong motives. Are we trying to help? Are we trying to make ourselves feel better? Uh, Matthew 7, 2, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We can't approach judgment with a pious, I'm better than you attitude uh, that takes joy in pointing out the flaws and shortcomings of others. Give people the benefit of the doubt. If you need to, seek clarification when needed. Remember, your opinion doesn't matter at all in this. How does their behavior fit in with what scripture says? That's the only thing that matters. Remember, too, that we don't carry the credentials to be the ultimate judge. None of us do. God's the final judge. He knows, and only he knows, our hearts and our motives. So you should show mercy, compassion, and love because the Lord is telling us that when we show those qualities, then that's how we're going to be judged one day. Think about it. If you're quick to judge others and you do so with severity, then that is the way God will judge you. And for me, that's enough. Back to the golden rule. Speak to them and approach them the way you would wish to be approached. Don't gossip about them. Don't talk about them behind their back. Approach them personally and treat them with great concern. John 7, 24 says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. How does that person's behavior align with God's word? Are you sure you have all of the facts? So I have to ask, how many of you remember The Andy Griffith Show? Okay. Great show. <laughs> Set in this little tiny town. Dad is the sheriff. Mom died many years ago, and so... It's just he and his little boy and Aunt B, who lives at home and cooks for them and takes care of them, uh, the maternal part of the story. So this story begins with <clears throat> Opie and Andy just playing a game of catch. And this little girl comes, they're downtown, this little girl comes, and she's um, trying to get the sheriff to help her because she's going to once again be in charge of the annual children's charity. Does anybody remember this one? And she, she does it every year, and Andy talks about, you know, what a great thing it is. And she says, yes, and everybody has just been doing such a wonderful job, and they're so generous, and things are going along. And Andy is kind of proud of Opie. You know, he's, he's, just a, he's such a great kid. And he says, well, I would guess that Opie has probably been one of your greatest contributors. And she said, well, no. He gave less than anybody else. He gave three cents. The only other person, do you remember this? The only other person who gave close to that now is somebody who gave five cents, but Opie gave only three cents. So she goes on her way. He's finally alone with Opie, and he says, what's going on with this? You gave three cents? And he says, well, I'm kind of saving up my, my uh, money for my girlfriend. And Opie goes on about how important it is to, to give and to give those in, to those in need, and he's going on, and Opie is not budging. 
So that night at dinner, he thinks he's going to give it one more try. And he talks to Opie again about how important it is that we help those who are less fortunate. And we need to be generous in our giving. And he's going on and on. And he said, Opie says, well, I'm still saving my money for my girlfriend. And he sent to his bedroom for the evening. And Aunt Dee comes in and she kind of looks at, at Andy and she says, are you upset because of the way other people will judge your son because of this? And are you going to give up on your son because of this incident? He always, he already does so many things right. Are you just going to say, this is it? And Andy started giving that some thought and he felt it. So he goes up to Opie and he says, you know, I, I need to apologize. Your money is your money. If you want to save up your money and if you want to spend it on your girlfriend, take her to a movie, buy her popcorn, buy her candy, all of those things, that, that's fine. That's your money. And Opie says, well, actually I'm saving up to buy her a Coke. And he said, what? And he said, yeah, her folks don't have very much money and her coat is really raggedy. So I was going to buy her a new coat. And Andy said, but you didn't tell me that. And Opie said to him, you didn't ask. So that kind of is one of those things where you can't just assume you have the whole story. Um, do try to get to the bottom of it. Uh, Pastor Dennis Lee comments on why scripture is the tool that we need to use, and he uses the following scripture as his basis. It's Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Dennis Lee says, goes on to say, God's word rightly judges, discerning what's on our hearts and minds. When we speak God's word in love, it will do the work, not only in our own heart, but also in the heart of others. It will do the judging, so we don't have to. What we need to do is to be true to God's word and speak his word, not our own. God's word is not meant to hack away at sin or others. This is being censorious. Rather, it's to be used like a surgeon's scalpel, gently removing the disease, not ripping it out. So his metaphor is a scalpel, and I, for one, can identify with that, and I'm sure there are others in the room who can identify with that. Is there pain involved? Absolutely. Without question, there's pain. But we should not back off because of that. When a doctor is doing surgery, he or she will remove the damaged tissue. They'll be very, very careful to do that. If this was not done, the disease would continue to grow and cause so much more damage. Likewise, sinful behavior has a tendency to grow and gain momentum as we go along. God is not against judging, especially when it can get a brother or sister in Christ back on the road to redemption. Galatians 6.1 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So again, you must make sure that your own life is following what God wants of you. Scripture is the only standard we should use for ourselves and for others. I'm going to say it over and over and over again. It's just scripture. 
God has equipped us with discerning minds so that we can distinguish between what's right and wrong, truth and lies. Um, and we need to discern what is sinful and what is not. James 4, 17 says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. But we're dealing with human beings who are far from perfect. One day we're all going to face judgment uh, before God and remember that the way we treat others will be the same measure by which we are judged. John Stott said, we need to be as critical of ourselves as we often are of others and as generous to others as we are to ourselves. The following uh, qualifications were offered. I went online and it said, how to judge. <laughs> really? Um, and this is from a site called sermoncentral.com. Um, and it, it, it listed steps. Uh, you must speak the truth in love. Remember that we're all sinners ourselves. We must investigate. Judge yourself first. Judgment must be according to truth. Therefore, we must study scripture systematically. We must pray. We must examine our own motives and spirituality. We must be patient. We must act in a way to bring a person to sound faith. So is it worth it? Uh, is it worth the pain and the self-examination that needs to happen? if we're to approach someone when we feel perhaps they are slipping away from God. We are called to love, but if we don't approach them, we are allowing them to spiral into behaviors that can be damaging, destructive, and harmful. I hope that I would be able to do it. I really do, but in fact, it can be a scary situation. We don't have any guarantee that the person on the receiving end of this is going to respond well. We don't have any um, guarantee that this person will go, oh, you're so right, let me get back on track. We might even lose a friend. That's a possibility. But that's also the decision that you might need to make. Because if you have talked to them and they continue in a sinful behavior, there's times you will try and try, but there doesn't seem to be a chance. Don't let them drag you down with them. In the end, God is the only judge. He is the only one who knows our hearts and our motives. God gives us the, the gift of discernment and wants us to use that for purposes he has in mind. The best part of judgment may very well be the step where we look at ourselves and examine our own lives for sinful behavior. None of us are perfect, and as for me, I can use all the help that God and my family in Christ can provide for me. We need to humble ourselves before God and seek him in scripture and in prayer before we address the concerns of anybody else. We seek the transformation in ourselves that will allow us to fulfill his purposes for us while we were on earth. Let me turn it to you here. Got uh, one more story, just one more story, and then I'll close in prayer. Um, this happened in a church, and the gentleman was sitting there, and uh, there was a guest speaker, and he was very interested in what the person was going to be saying. And in front of, front of him were two women that he didn't know, and they started whispering back and forth to each other. And it took his attention away from the speaker. And 
it went on and on, and it kept throughout the entire service until he was just, he was so aggravated, so aggravated that these persons were so rude that they would talk through the entire message. So then the regular um, minister from the church gets up and he says, oh, and by the way, the family of our speaker is with us today. Be sure to uh, say hello to them, but understand they don't speak English. So there is an interpreter that's there with them. And obviously we see that what he thought was going on was far from it. So we're human, those things happen, but we just pray that uh, God will help us to have discerning eyes and hearts. Pray with me, please. Dear Lord God, we do live in a world that is uh, full of sin, and we do live in a world where so many people don't know you. And probably the worst thing we can do is start picking at one another those of us who are faithful and who love you. But sometimes there's a reason to do that. Help us, dear God, to look through eyes that see the good in a person, but also help us to have discerning minds that if we need to, if we need to intercede, that we can do so because we know that person is so precious to you. Dear God, help us to examine ourselves, not just in a time of uh, trying to see if we can help a fellow sinner, but please help us to evaluate ourselves on a daily basis with you, God, to identify where we, where we fall short and ask your help in helping us to do better. Again, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.